Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. All right, Marketeers. Thank you so much for joining me. Today I have on Christina McMillan Mahler. Christina is a motivational construction industry thought leader with more than 20 years of experience in team leading, marketing strategy, workforce development, and operations know-how. She's a strong collaborator with a successful track record of forming powerful relationships, discovering and capitalizing on opportunities, and shining a light on the blue collar industry. She is both professionally and personally driven to have a positive impact in the world. And as a matter of fact, today she was featured by the LinkedIn news team's top 10 highlights for one of her articles. So welcome, Christina. (laughs) I think that means I made it. (laughs) (laughs) So before we dig into just basically a wealth of experience that you have. I'm curious how you got started in this industry. What's your story? I feel like there's two tracks of people in construction, the people who fall into construction and the people who grew up and went in construction. And so the people that kind of just took a job that they saw and were excited about it, and then they sort of fell in love with it. And then those of us who kind of grew up with family members or a parent who was in industry. So I feel like there's two tracks of people in construction, the people who fall into construction and the people who grew up and went in construction. And so the people that kind of just took a job that they saw and were excited about it, and then they sort of fell in love with it. And then those of us who kind of grew up with family members or a parent who was in industry. I'm unique in the fact that I actually chose to go into construction in my late 20s. And so I made the decision after meeting some people who were working in blue collar. And at the time, I was actually running a successful jewelry business. So I was a high-end jewelry designer for quite a while. And I had a store here in South Minneapolis was doing very well. And I met a guy and, you know, you meet a guy and that just kind of messes up your whole life. Right. And he was a construction guy and I just kind of fell in love with his people and the type of interactions he was having on job sites and just sort of that more laid back way of looking at things, but really this great attention to craftsmanship and, and all that. So I gave up my partnership at my jewelry store and took a leap directly into residential construction at that time. Wow. That is fascinating. <laughs> Those are two totally different worlds. I know. Yeah. I know. I'm, I've always been kind of known for being very blunt and straightforward. And so as a jeweler, it served me well in some ways because I was very honest about what I was doing, but it also worked against me in a lot of ways because I'm very practical. So if someone was like, oh, I want to buy a diamond for $20,000, I was like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a great investment right now, but yeah, so it wasn't necessarily the best personality fit, but yeah, once I started showing up at these job sites and kind of seeing behind the scenes of what happens in construction, I was just hooked. Perfect. So what is it about construction that really grabbed your attention? Well, this is a marketing thing. You know, I just, 
I grew up marketing. I've always loved marketing. I went to school for marketing. And I think that when you find a subject matter that really appeals to you, sure. it's exciting. And to me, it's that this is my favorite fancy word, the juxtaposition. Mm-hmm between like the grit of a construction site and how dirty it is. And then the beauty of how they put together these amazing finished products and just how much thought needs to go into the whole process from start to finish. You have a blank canvas. If you're looking at a job site, right. If you have an empty field or whatever, and then you get to create something just brand new that's going to be there for years to come or that someone's going to enjoy with their family or that people are going to go to for work or whatever. So I just love the whole process and the story. Perfect. And I know you're a big proponent for humanizing the process of marketing. What does that look like and where did it stem from? You know, when I did get into construction, I noticed so many of the marketing images and advertising were, especially in residential and now even in commercial, were pictures of empty rooms or finished houses or finished buildings. And there were no photos of the people doing the work or acknowledging the whole process, which is the thing that I fell in love with, right? And being able to see kind of like all the work that made it get to that point or helped create that process or gave you to that final product. And so I, I just loved the idea of, of adding the, the, the people, putting the people back in, you know, not just showing a final product, but let's take a look at how that was built. Right. And from what you just said, I've gathered that the people element for you is really important. You mentioned that, you know, what originally attracted you was the laid backness of the construction side of this industry. Mm -hmm. I also know that more recently, mental health has been flagged as a big issue in the construction industry. And it's something that I'm just now learning more about. I know that you've had your eye on it for a while. What would you say are the biggest challenges with mental health in the construction industry as you see it? I mean, there's a lot to unpack there because you could go a few different ways with that conversation. I mean, to go back to the base of what interested me about it in the first place is Mm. coming from more of a white collar background sure, and then stepping into a blue collar space. I'd always like a lot of people growing up had had this stigma in my head of what blue collar workers are supposed to be like, or what construction Mm. workers are supposed to be like. Having come from white collar and having had some really negative experiences in the boardroom or whatever, and I say that quotations, you know, having negative experiences with my peers who may have mistreated me or just misbehaved professionally in different situations, not just with me, but just observing it. And then coming onto these job sites and just seeing the level of camaraderie and teamwork Mm. and respect for each other and the process that was there and just feeling like a huge responsibility for myself to change that, to expose the fact that we've been lied to, right? These people are not what we've been told growing up. Mm. Um, You know, this whole industry is not what we have been made to believe it is. And I'm not saying that everybody that works in construction is perfect or that they're all, all this, you know, amazing, upstanding citizen. And I'm not saying that everybody in white collar is awful. What I'm saying is, there's no way that we can cast a judgment across all of them. 
Sure. And I do sure. think that there's a lot of weight there for people that work in construction and blue collar to carry that stigma. A lot of them may act certain ways or feel like they have to portray themselves a certain way because of the way that that industry has been cultivated. Sure. And that's just not true. And just the more that I've dug into, you know, just because that's the way that we've always done it, that we don't really have to think that way anymore, the more I've reflected on myself and mental health in my own life. And I think it's just full circle. You start trying to advise people on best practices from a common sense standpoint, you probably are going to start looking at the way you're living your life as well. So it's just all very all encompassing for me. Awesome. You have a really great ethos surrounding your work in marketing and in the construction industry. It seems like you have a very clear vision of what marketing in this industry can and should be. And it's a loaded question, but if you had to give a highlight reel of your approach to the industry and the work that you do, what would that be? I don't think this just applies to construction, but marketing in general. When we're talking about strategy at our company, and I work for a company called Griner here in Minneapolis, when we're approaching strategy, I feel like there's always this expectation that everybody's doing this, so we need to make sure that we're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. So like everybody's showing up here, so let's make sure that we're paying the money to show up there. And my perspective is if everybody's doing that, then we should not be doing that. We should figure out a different way to come to the table. We should be creative and change the strategy so that we don't look like everybody else. How can we make it look like we are being like the pioneers of a new way of doing things or presenting construction in general? And so I think that that can apply to a lot of different types of marketing and a lot of industries. Like just don't do random acts of marketing. That's like my least favorite thing, you know, like, oh, I'm going to be on social media and therefore I'm going to pay a social media person $500 a month to post five to seven times a week on my page because I have to be consistent. Well, I'd rather you post one or two times a week and be authentic and show up in a way that's different than show up in a repetitive way with boring graphics. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I just, I think that It's every company has something that's different about it. You have to figure out what it is. You just mentioned social media there. And I do want to circle back on your LinkedIn article that just Mm -hmm. became famous (laughs) (laughs) because I think it's a really good representation of what you stand for in the workplace. And I also like that the language you use isn't corporate. Mm-hmm. It just felt very authentic. It felt true. There was something very original about it. And I would love to dig into that with you if you're game. Sure. Let's okay. <laughs> so tell me about the article itself. Number one, just what prompted you writing it? You know, I went to school for journalism and I've been writing since I was writing like short stories and things like very personal stuff since I was in like fifth or sixth grade. I've just always journaled and I've always put my thoughts out there. And it wasn't until I found social media, like specifically LinkedIn and Instagram over the past four years that I found a platform to really speak the way that I feel comfortable speaking. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily a great public speaker. I do these podcasts, but I'm always kind of like, oh, I wish I could have written it, you know, because I could have said it better. So I like taking the time and I like thinking about it 
But honestly, whenever I write an article like that, it usually just comes out in 15 minutes and I'm done. And I usually will vacillate on it for a couple of days just to make sure I'm not saying anything that's too out there or anything offensive or unprofessional. But then I just let it fly and just let it go. And this particular article came from a frustrating point for me. I, as a marketer right now at my company, they've allowed me the freedom to do a lot of work with diversity and inclusion, which is fantastic. And it's something that I'm passionate about. What I'm frustrated about is the restrictions that are placed on these small businesses and on us as a GC, as far as working with diverse companies. I think it's a great idea but they don't allow us the freedom to actually do work that supports these small businesses and actually helps change the narrative. So in a lot of ways, we're doing things at our company in a way that kind of says, screw the rules. We're still following the rules and we're still doing what we're supposed to. But what we're doing differently is with our diverse contractors, we've noticed that we let them bid something and they will bid it, but they are not structurally prepared to actually do the caliber of work that they are bidding. Mm. And so they're just going to try and like show up and fake it till they make it to grow their business. Well, that's not helping us or them. So what we're doing is we're pulling in companies and we're mentoring them and we're sitting down with them for hours at a time each week and talking about, okay, what does your website look like? What does your infrastructure look like? What are your mission and values? Who's gonna be doing your billing? Who's doing this? Like, do you guys actually know what you wanna do? If you bid this work, how are you gonna support it? So just common sense questions that not every business owner necessarily knows how to answer. And then in tandem is the women in construction conversation. And, I get extremely frustrated with the whole women in construction, and I say this in quotations, like movement, because there are so many companies that are almost making a joke out of it because Mm -hmm. they're like parading women out here in their pink hard hats. You know, they are creating all women crews and stuff like that. And that's great. There should be an all woman crew if it's the crew that works the best together. It should not be an all female crew just to say, hey, we're supporting women. That's not supporting women. That's trying to fluff up your own ego by putting a bunch of women together in a space to make it look like you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And over and over again, the females on the job sites and the women that are working here in the office, we, we are saying we just want to show up and do the work. We just want to want to be respected for the work that we're doing. We don't want it to be like, oh, she's a really great female project manager. She's just a great project manager. Mm. And there's a woman on our team here who says that all the time. She's like, I'm so tired of people saying I am a female project manager. I'm a great woman project manager. I am just a great project manager. And that's all that anybody should be saying. Right. And so the whole thing just kind of regurgitates into this article, right? Like just stop talking about all these initiatives. Stop saying that you're going to do all these things, stop pouring money into marketing campaigns, the random acts of marketing, and figure out what the actual tangible action is that is going to be behind that flare that you're putting out there. Because if you're just talking about a plan, and if you're just promoting a plan, and if you're just having meetings about a plan, then your plan is worthless. And it's not doing anything except making the problem worse, in my opinion. 
Yeah. I love that because I think it's an issue that we see across industries, you know, qualifying a position of power with female in front of it. It's the same with business owners. It just goes across the board. So it is a really important issue. And I think one that if the construction industry really does hope to bring in females and more diversity needs to be addressed, I would see that almost as a deterrent, as like you're, you almost other the people that you're trying to attract <laughs> when you yeah, do that. And it's- It's such a thin line to walk down because we want to do things that are appealing to women and we want them to know that they're welcome in industry and that requires talking about it. But we also don't want them to feel like they're a unicorn every time that they walk into a room. We want them to just feel like it's a normal thing. Like we just need to normalize that men and women are gonna be working on job sites together and we need to normalize that we are gonna have diversity And I mean, obviously it's an issue because we are not getting enough diverse people into our industry and we're not getting enough women. So obviously there's an issue there. And I know I'm an idealist in the fact that I just want everyone to stop talking about it and just make it happen. Mm. But I mean, every cool thing that happens happens because someone was like, let's just do it. Right. So somebody has got to keep saying it and if there's enough of us that just keep saying like, let's just normalize it and keep putting the imagery out there and marketing our industry the correct way, then it'll work and it'll happen. Fingers crossed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had also mentioned in one of our conversations, guerrilla marketing. Had, did that sort of fall into don't do what everyone else is doing? Or do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? I distinctly remember learning about guerrilla marketing in college. I went to Iowa State and it was like a whole topic that we had to do a report on. And for some reason, it always stuck with me. I grew up with not a lot of money and not a lot of resources at hand. I did grow up in a pretty well-off suburb, but we were like the poor people in the rich suburb, if that makes sense. And So I've always just kind of had this mindset that you can do more with less. And I always say to my kids, people do a lot more with a lot less than what we have. And so just the whole idea of figuring a way to stand out, but not throw money at it, but do it in a way that's more authentic and by showing up in person and by having that, that face-to-face interaction. So I know a lot of people have different definitions of what guerrilla marketing is, And to me, it's really kind of like the coupon shopping version of marketing. Like when I showed up at Griner and we started looking, I've only been here for just over five months, but when I started here and we started looking at the budget, I'm like, we can cut out a lot of this stuff because a lot of the things that we're doing are redundant. Like we look at each line item of a budget. How is this actually serving our company and what is our ROI here? And so figuring out more creative ways, whether it's a different type of swag, if you need to have swag, or if it's a different type of imagery or whatever, just figuring out a way way to spend less money and get more results is, to me, what guerrilla marketing comes down to. Getting more proactive, boots on the ground, going out there, interacting, pulling your own content, and making it more personal. 
no matter how big your company is, you can do that. And have you seen the rewards of implementing something like that? Because I know a lot of times marketers try and get more of a budget for their departments. So this is interesting that you've, you've looked at it and said, actually, a lot of this stuff is just unnecessary. So I'm still new here. I was going to say five months probably isn't yeah. enough time to really get going. I'm still new here, but it's, I mean, it's worked historically for me. And I'm not saying that I want less money for a marketing budget, but what I am saying is I want to do more with what we have. Right. So I want to reallocate things to a place that I think that they make more sense specifically for construction. Like I would like to have a almost full-time person just collecting video and photography and creating that kind of content, which I don't think has historically been some construction com companies are looking for all the time. But if you look at the amount of money right now that you would spend bringing a photographer, let's say on your job site or having someone come out and shoot video, if you want to keep up with all your jobs, for example, Griner probably has like 50 jobs going on at a time because we are commercial, we do interiors and to keep all of those up to date, you could easily spend $10,000 a month on, right. on that. So to me, it's like, okay, could, are we going to outsource this or do we want to bring it inside, right? Do we want to have somebody who, who, who we can actually tell them where to be, what to do, what kind of content to co collect and maybe have it be someone who's more entry level or somebody who's already on the team who has a passion for that? Like, how do you cultivate that so that you don't have to spend as much money, but you can get more out of it? And to me, that just makes sense, especially when you're working with some of these standard marketing companies that don't interact with construction companies on a regular basis. They don't understand our culture. They don't understand what we're looking for. They don't necessarily get it. And so having somebody on staff who's gets it and is plugged in makes a lot more sense to me. And it's cheaper. Sure. I love that you mentioned tapping into people's talents. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the times we look at our professional staff as, you know, not as multifaceted as they are. Yes. And yep. I have seen some of the most creative photos come from some of the project managers that I thought stood no chance with an iPhone in the field. And the, <laughs> <laughs> and the photos yeah. they come back with are actually very artistic because they yes. think that's what I want and just incredible. Well, yeah, but they, and they get to be there like when the sun's coming up, yeah. you know, and sometimes when the sun's going down and just like they get the best lighting. When I was consulting for a while, the thing I did with my clients who had like smaller companies and they might have, you know, crews of like maybe 15 people out on the job sites. And so instead of paying for a photographer or flying me out there with my camera, we would start a text train with all of the job site people. And this is one thing that people can do with a small business that is so easy. Like just start a text train or text thread with your staff, the people are on the job sites, tell them what you're looking for and maybe give like a monthly prize or something for like the best photo that goes out there. We did that and we would get so many photos, like probably 10 pictures per day that we could use on content to keep filling our social media and our website and keep things fresh and didn't have to spend a dime, not a penny on collecting that content. And then you have people bringing out these photographers, you know, for $2,000 a day. And then you get to keep like what 15 pictures or something like that. And it just doesn't, 
it doesn't make any sense for those companies, but they still need to collect the content so that they can be relevant. Perfect. Yeah. So I know you have a nonprofit in the construction space. Could you tell me more about it? What is it? Who is it for? So our nonprofit is called Crew Collaborative, and we started just over two years ago, and we have gained an insane amount of traction within the construction space. So how we started actually was as a women in construction group. And this probably explains even more kind of where my mindset comes with this whole women in construction conversation. Mm-hmm. So originally it was crew stood for construction retreat, empowering women. And we had our first retreat in July of 2020, right during the pandemic, for some reason, 11 or 12 women came out to Minnesota and we all thought that was a great idea, but it worked out well for us. So we had this group of women, we had all met at Con Expo and we just decided that we wanted to do something different. Mm-hmm. And what we came away from that weekend after having all these discussions was that we did not want to be a women in construction initiative because we did not feel like a group of women could be effective in really changing the conversation around women in construction. We felt like the, the best way to be productive and to actually gain traction and get more people into construction was by partnering with our male counterparts Mm-hmm. And to make it more of a industry-wide movement to bring more people just period into construction. We know that there's so many really great women in construction groups out there. And we just didn't feel like we were going to bring anything different to that conversation. Because when you have a group of women standing in a room full of women talking about getting women into construction, you're not going to get anywhere because the industry mm-hmm. is 95% male. At least that was back then anyways. I think the numbers have changed a little bit now. But so we changed our whole idea. We decided to make it more of a marketing organization. And so we focus on normalizing imagery and marketing of men and women and our diverse partners working in construction. And so we do that through social media. So we do that on Instagram. We do that with LinkedIn and we have retreats and we have two main programs right now. One's called the ambassador program, which is sponsored by Caterpillar. And it started out as a leadership training course or whatever. And it's kind of changed into more of a kind of personal branding workshop Mm -hmm. because we have all these people working at all different levels in construction, whether it's laborers or C-suite or project managers or equipment operators or whatever. So we have people in every aspect, but they might not necessarily know how to go out into their community and talk about construction in a way that will bring more people into it. So we're actually training people on how to effectively talk about jobs in construction. And so then they're encouraged to go out into their community to talk to the schools, to talk to community organizations about what's great about construction and all the opportunities. Mm-hmm. So that's our program with Caterpillar. And then we do another one with Toro called Classroom Talks, where we put together like a Zoom call, like a, almost like a round table of anywhere from like five to 12 individuals, again, across all these different industries in construction, whether it's equipment operators or PMs or distributors or architects or whatever. And so we will have them speak directly to a high school class or a middle school class. And so each person talks for five minutes about what they do, how they got there, 
uh, what a day in the life looks like, pros and cons, and then how much money they make. So we do ask people to actually talk about their salary or at least the salary range, because that's the real game changer for these high schoolers. When they hear that you can make six figures, you know, in your late 20s, just by running equipment, you know, their, their whole idea and that whole stigma of construction workers just goes out the door and you can actually see it in their eyes when it changes, mm. right? Like you just change their mind about if they have to go to college and we are not anti-college, we are anti-college without a plan. So, yeah. So it's, it's been going really well. We'll be at Con Expo. We've been chosen as a nonprofit partner for Con Expo, which is great. Very cool. And it's just something I do in my free time. Because mm. <laughs> as a marketer in the AEC industry, you must have so much of that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm also a single mom and I work a side job as a coach and then I run crew. So it's a couple things. Well, well, well done. Thanks. I have not completely lost my mind yet. <laughs> That's good. I was hoping, I was sort of expecting you to say your side hustle was jewelry. <laughs> I was like, no, I, I, I do get, it's funny. I barely wear any jewelry. I know I'm wearing a little bit today, but like, I don't really, I, I've kind of given up on it. I'm not a girly girl. That's so funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, if our listeners want to learn more about you, about your nonprofit, or about mm -hmm. Griner, where should I direct them? So you can find me on LinkedIn, which is where I'm usually found. And it's Christina with a K, which I'm sure you'll have written out somewhere with this yep. podcast. And it's McMillan, M-C-M-I-L-L-A-N, and Mahler, M-A-H-L-E-R. So people can look me up on there. And okay. I am on Instagram which is Christina underscore MCM. And I would love to see anybody on there. And Griner is spelled G-R-E-I-N-E-R. -E -E so anybody who's going to look for it is probably going to spell it wrong. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I will link that in the show notes. Awesome. And it's crewcollab.org. Hit us up, sign up for our, our initiatives. We would love to have more people there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you so much. All right, Marketeers, that is a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. A big thank you again to Christina for popping on and talking to us about how to avoid random acts of marketing. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.